I want to talk about <laughs> how hard it's gotten. I want to just share that our new reality is that the export regulations, the import regulations, they got significantly more complex. Yeah, so I would add, I think there are a couple of points also to make where we're talking about classification. Um, let's not forget classification on the uh, ECCN front uh, for purposes of being able to export because, you know, another topic that could we could spend 30 minutes on is this new push uh, from BIS. Before we get started with the show, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Global Training Center. As trade compliance professionals, you want to make sure that your procedures and documentation are completed as correctly as possible to avoid any delays and possible fines. We provide a range of trade compliance courses that will fit your needs. From in-person or web training to recorded on-demand courses, we can train one or even thousands on your team through your learning platform or on our portal. We can even customize a private session for your team. Go to globaltrainingcenter.com to find out more. Hey, Lalo, how you doing again? It's uh, We're back for another show, and uh, I'm excited. We had a great show with uh, George and uh, Adrian setting us up for the uh, the new year and uh, and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to today's show. But uh, how are you doing since our last recording? We're doing good, doing good. And um, I just also, um, last week we had um, Cynthia Wittenberg as well from a former CBP, mm-hmm. and uh, she had some really good how companies can work better with CBP. So we're, we're kind of, there's a little tone or, or uh, what's the theme here that we're trying to do and mm-hmm. trying to get everybody situated to prepare themselves for, for the upcoming year. And, uh, and you're right, this, this episode is going to actually um, segue really nicely into that because of that. And uh, um, I just wanted to say, you know, the second Friday of the year is officially known internationally as Quitters Day. Okay, quitters so Quitters Day. Day is so. This is Quitters Day. Quit smoking. Quit dr- over drinking. <laughs> no, 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 no. You quit your New Year's resolution. Oh, that's when so everybody you set the New Year's resolution, yes. and so by the second Friday. Of- <laughs> uh, so, so I say okay. that because I say that because. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Kind of like people making resolutions about I'm going to be more compliant. I'm going to set my trade this and that, and hopefully that'll segue into our our guests. And so right. anyway, I just thought I I throw that in. Well, I will say this to our guests again, or to our excuse me, to our listeners. Uh, thank you so much again. We're trending up. You're uh, you know. You're, you're flagging us that you apparently like us and that you're subscribing to us and all of that. That is fantastic. We appreciate that. For our listeners, again, is that with that show that Lalo just mentioned, talking about the career and all that, please be sure and listen to that, especially if you're coming up through the ranks. If you're a newbie, if you're in the, in the uh, middle of the ranks of, uh, you know, the compliance, logistics, management, whatever, or even season, because that's a good one to listen to. Also, as we just talked about, mentioned about George and, and Adrian's uh, uh, podcast, talking about some of the important things, what did we learn, what are we coming up with 2023. This show today, I'm really excited because we are, have a couple of guests on here that, again, I, I've already told them this, they're going to forget more than I'm going to get to learn. So this is one of those <laughs> that is like, where are we going 
when these ladies speak, you need to be listening. So, uh, Lala, why don't you introduce our uh, wonderful sure. guest here today? Sure. So, um, I've uh, I've this first time I've met both of them, but I've known of them for a long time. We had a previous guest of our show, um, uh, Gabby or Gabrielle. Um, she was uh, talking about the seat on the in the uh, getting a seat in the in the uh, C suite. Um, so yep. she was on her she was on her show before. She's part of the of this uh, group. So the group is BPE Global. Um, and with that said, I mean everybody's going to know exactly who we're talking about. Beth Pride, <laughs> and she's a legend out in the in the in the in the trade world. And and I've been told many times how she's a pioneer um, and helped a lot in the uh, Bay Area to establish like OWIT, for example, and and uh, other mm-hmm. um, other programs out there. So so. Really happy to have her and uh, Evelyn. So I ran across Evelyn, who's uh, who's who's also uh, uh, part of the uh, firm with BPE, because I, I stumbled upon an article that she wrote, which I'm kind of like this. I like the tongue in cheek and kind of like a play on words. So she did a really nice article about um, who's on first. You know that play on uh, Abbott and Costello, and uh, she was uh, comparing that a little bit to kind of what happened in 2022 with trade. And, and it was a great article. And I said, oh, I got to have these ladies on the show. You know, I, I told uh, Gabrielle that I wanted them on the show anyway. So that, I, that's, that was a good excuse to have them both on there. So anyway, so that's who we have. We have uh, Beth Bright and Evelyn Bernal. So uh, welcome to the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so with that, uh, Beth, you uh, and I were talking before we started recording here that uh, it's a lot of, along the lines of what we learn in 2022 and, and uh, 2023 kind of things and the, and the important things. So let's go ahead and jump right into what we talked about is that you were talking, I think, first on your list, and we've got a lot of really cool things to talk about, folks. But the first thing is Russian sanctions, you mentioned, right? Absolutely. So um, we're going to start with the Russia sanctions. And the reality is when we deal with the, the sanctions, we're used to dealing with relatively small countries that have relatively little trade activity. The Russian sanctions apply to the 11th largest economy in the world. And they are intended to severely impact that economy. And the sanctions were a multilateral effort so that we could get the broadest impact possible. So the United States, the EU, the UK, and many other countries all implemented sanctions on some, um, some of every type of items. So usually it's items that are higher controlled, but they're even catching items that are subject to anti-terrorism controls only, EAR-99 items. And what they did to impact those items is they've done something completely different. They are now looking at Schedule B numbers and listing them in Part 746 to the Export Administration Regulations. And if a specific HTS is listed, you are caught even though your item is classified as EAR-99. There are three supplements that are caught. There's industry sector sanctions, which tend to be oil and gas, that's supplement number four. There's luxury goods in supplement number five. Think widescreen monitor that is going to be used 
as a part of your business solution, your uh, commercial sale, as opposed to in your personal house, right. catching those types of things. And then supplement six is all the chemical, biological industry sector things that can be used as chemical or biological weapons. So each country varied on the controls and some controls were so broad that they could get anything. And I'll give an example. Centrifuges are caught. And I think of centrifuges as industrial scale centrifuges that you see in wide scale labs. But they even well, but even even in a doctor's office as a smaller one. Absolutely. And testing lab. And even in a component in a smaller device that's only two millimeters long, they're catching anything that would meet the technical parameters of a centrifuge or fall under that HTS number. So it's going so broad that it's catching things that normally would never have been caught under the Export Administration. Um, when we started, so on February 24th, 2022, we were advising our clients, you should not be doing business in Russia. But what we've since learned is that there are valid reasons to be operating in, in Russia to provide diagnostic equipment, to be able to help people stay healthy, the everyday Russians that don't want anything to do with this war. We've also helped Chinese companies who have cell phone technology get their commercial commodities into Russia so everyday Russians can get real true news and share it with other everyday Russians so that they can fight this war internally within Russia with accurate information. So it's not an all or nothing question. If it is something that would um, improve the economy of Russia, if it's something that would benefit the war machine of Russia, and specifically uh, Mr. Putin himself, then we say absolutely don't do it. But we absolutely believe that everyday Russians deserve and should have equal rights in staying healthy and having access to food. So that's the basic stuff that we're advising right now. Hey everyone, we're getting ready for another annual ICPA event coming up the week of March 12th in Orlando, Florida. If you have been thinking of attending any of the ICPA conferences, this is the one you should not miss. There will be more sessions than any other conference with a guaranteed sellout, so hurry and get your tickets today. We are also excited to share that Simply Trade podcast will be in the attendance and we want you to be part of our show. Listen to episodes 14, 15, and 16 to find out why you can't miss this conference. Uh, all right, so what's next? I'm going to let Evelyn talk about lists and the big changes that we've seen to all of the lists and the lists and the lists. So, Evelyn, go ahead and take it away. So you're going to get to talk to us about these lists here. Absolutely. And there have been nothing but challenges with uh, restricted parties lists, with financial sanctions lists. Uh, this year, we saw a tremendous increase in the frequency and in the number of parties being added to the lists. And it wasn't just limited to OFAC and BIS, it was global as countries uh, continued to strengthen their sanctions on Russia. But again, as Beth was mentioning earlier, it's not just about Russia. There's already an existing uh, group of sanctions that each country has implemented. And so sanctions on countries like Venezuela or existing sanctions, uh, OFACs, China military company sanctions. There was a time when the lists were being updated infrequently and the lists were short. 
but that is no more. Um, as an example, I subscribe to the alerts for any edits to the European sanctions lists. And beginning in February of last year through today, I had 65 alerts on the number of uh, updates to those particular lists. Um, part of that challenge is how quickly companies are required to react. So even if you have a screening tool that you subscribe to, most often the providers aren't able to put those or implement those changes until the following morning because they're learning at the same time we do. They don't get a heads up, um, you know, but companies nevertheless are still required to place holes on any transaction involving those restricted parties immediately. So for any companies that are manually, if you can, if you can imagine, companies that are manually screening against these lists, they're having that much more difficulty being able to keep up. And if they are a multinational company, if you're exporting globally, that's how many more lists you have to think about screening against. So it gets complicated. So you have somewhat of a primary, secondary, and treasury type check. What do you think about that? That's, that is the exact guidance that we would uh, be giving uh, and because it is important to understand what you're trying to avoid uh, in screening throughout the process is engaging with a customer that at the end of the day, you're not even going to be able to export to. And so screening at the time of customer onboarding, uh, screening even earlier than that at the time of a sales engagement is important and could save you time and money as a company then screening again at the time of customer onboarding, as you mentioned, screening at the time. Again, screening anytime, even if a customer says, hey, I need you to uh, change, the, um, change the, the export address, ship it to this destination instead. There should be a screening implemented then. And then again, just prior to export. Um, so screening throughout the process. And then actually, if you think about it, screening, um, against customers that are already existing on your master list on a daily basis or on a more frequent basis. And right now it's not safe to screen everyone on a monthly basis. There needs to be screening on a more frequent basis to make sure that you're keeping up with the rate of changes to these lists. Um, I just wanted to uh, no, comment on the re-screening of lists. Um, the good, the, the great global trade management solution providers that are out there, when a member, a new addition to the list is added, it'll go back against and screen against all of the people that you've screened against previously so that you don't have to go do it. So it will proactively look and deliver to you. So you might not have a new sale scheduled for three weeks from now. Uh, if an entity has been added to the list that, you know, that has, you've already screened against. So it, they're, they're designed to help you pro, uh, reactively to the list that you've already screened. And I'm sure Evelyn has a lot more the to point say about it. Is Absolutely. It needs, it, it has to be uh, checked. It, it has to be current. Uh, if it's not current, you could easily miss something. Um, you know, it, okay. I think, Besides the restricted party screening, though, I think it's really important to remind uh, companies that 
it, you shouldn't just be screening to see who's on the list or who isn't on the list. Um, you need to make sure that you're also screening for any type of OFAC 50% rule implications as well. And that may not necessarily be evident by a restricted party screening alone. So at the highest level, as a reminder, the 50% rule states that any party that is owned 50% or more in aggregate by one or more other blocked parties is also blocked. And so what it looks like is you could have a customer who's not identified on a restricted party list, but who is majority owned by blocked parties. Well, that means they're also blocked and you are not um, permitted to do business with them. And this isn't something that most screening tool providers have been able to fully address yet, although some have made tremendous strides um, because th this is something that clients really need and demand just because this screening for this rule is not simple. What would you recommend if there is a compliance group, especially for a large corporation, because that's where you know a lot of these uh, government enforcement efforts are going to go after wherever the money is. But as a whole, what would you recommend for a compliance area? Do they Should they completely outsource that and rely on that outsourced vendor that does the screening to have the expertise? Should they build some expertise and proficiency for different parts of the world or have somebody that just says, okay, I, I understand the full compliant or restrictive party screening process and and go from there yeah i think it really is a mix we are definitely starting to see an uptick in the number of companies that are looking to source globally to to find local resources in the regions so that they can do the screening they know that you know local language um, local culture, they know where to go to look for this information. So we're definitely uh, seeing that. But if a company isn't able to do that, it really is just about understanding where the information and putting in the time to assess where the information can be found, what websites, what screening providers will give you, you know, the biggest bang for your buck as far as, as hosting that information. But it's a lot of screening. Right. It's it's definitely uh, not for the faint of heart. It's a lot of screening and it's a lot of research to be done. You're hitting on some fantastic things that I'm hoping people will understand. Man, I've got a lot of work ahead of me in my new, you know, in this new year. So. All right. We've beat that dead horse down. OK, so <laughs> what's next on here? We've we've done we've talked about Russia. We've talked about list. I want to talk list, right? about <laughs> how hard it's gotten. I want to just share that our new reality is that the export regulations, the import regulations, they got significantly more complex. Um, the Bureau of Industry and Security, they seriously changed the rules with the supercomputing and semiconductor regulations that they just dropped in October. They made oh, yes. these regulations effective on the date of publication. 130 pages of net new regulations, and it was supposed to be implemented the minute it hit the press. The reality is we can't read that fast. It used to be that you would get a notice of proposed rulemaking and you'd have a review and comment period that generally was several months. 
Um, and you might even before that proposed rulemaking came out, you would have had meetings with the feds telling them what you need and they'd adjust their regulations before publication. That has all gone out the door. So in this case, this particular supercomputing and semiconductor regulation, they gave us less than meaningful guidance and then they only partially released the publication. And in the two weeks after October 7th, they dropped a couple more parts of the rules. And they, they basically threw incomplete um, regulations out and then didn't give us clear guidance. And so the reality is they said things like rely on certification, but they didn't give us examples of what those certifications should, stay, should say. We have a great certification, by the way, that we're happy to give to anybody who asked for it. Um, the reality is the technical parameters that they said, if your supercomputer does this or your semiconductor does this, well, in some cases, the this isn't even something that's something that an engineer understands or has ever heard of. So the reality is the new regulations are not clear. Um, and it's really important that you dive deep for your area into the new regulations that impact you. And so it was classification that is impacted. There are two new ECCNs. If you're in those two ECCNs, you're going to know it already, by the way. Um, you're going to need to understand the end use controls, which were around if you make something, let's say a conveyor belt that goes into the um, heavily controlled um, semiconductors, then that conveyor belt cannot be exported to China without a license. And then there's all these new rules under foreign direct product. And it used to be you have a de minimis rule. Well, de minimis was pretty clear. Now you have to do de minimis and foreign direct product. But guess what? There isn't one foreign direct product rule. There are eight. There's one for national security. One for 9X515 items, one for 600 series, one for entity list entities, one for Russia and Belarus, another one for military end users in Russia and Belarus, one for advanced computing and one for supercomputers. It is crazy the way they have shifted the way they re they've released these regulations. Okay, so let me ask think, this question, Beth, is like as you've gone into it, yeah, my mind's going to walk a while. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. All right. So out of this, uh, more specifically on the semiconductors, the uh, computing, supercomputing and all that, are you talking as far as imports of those components or exports or both? So it's exports of items to Chinese manufacturers of supercomputers and semiconductors specific types of semiconductors, except for one area where if you are exporting specifically category 3B items, uh, it's anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with that scenario, again, in, in looking at I will say that um, I'm aware of some enforcement activities where you're talking about going to Chinese um, businesses and whatnot that there were U.S. companies exporting some of these commodities to uh, Vietnam, but 
it was they were getting into trouble because from then it's like you know asking that question what do you do with what i'm selling to you kind of the end use and where's it going or what are you going to do with it and that's some of those questions you need to ask on that because they were going on then to china which was a big no-no correct okay so out of what you've talked about let's let's pull it back around to some actions here that something that comes to mind from a compliance if you are um, talking to our audience here if you are an executive especially uh, or upper management something you need to consider is having when you're you're looking in at, at i'm sure you have like a committee that's uh looking at marketing to and, and sales into different car- countries i would highly suggest and beth you and uh, evelyn can uh, weigh in on this it would be wise to have somebody from the compliance arena be able to sit in on those planning assessments um, when you're talking, talking about marketing products into and sales into different uh, parts of the world so that a vetting process can come back and go, yes, you can do it, but here's the risk or here's the parameters or whatever else. What do you think about that? You nailed it, Andy. You totally nailed it. And um, also, just a reminder that um, the imports from Russia moved to column two. Uh, so normal HTS, yes. they have a column one duty rate that can be duty free to, you know, depending on what it is, it can get pretty high. But column two, that stuff can get crazy and it's not, not cheap to import from Russia. So uh, it, Im- imports were impacted as well. I get that. Okay. I, I got to say, you guys have uh, already hit some pretty heavy-duty stuff. So what's next on your list that you want to talk about? Well, uh, what's next is uh, talking a little bit about the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. Um, folks have different – I'll call it UFLPA think, today. I've also heard it you flip off. I year for 2022. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about uh, the UFLPA and um, under these uh, regs, a CBP um, now presumes that any goods that are mined or produced or manufactured wholly or in part in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region of China, uh, all of anything there is unfit for entry into any U.S. port. And so CBP is asking for quote, clear and convincing evidence, unquote, to allow these goods to clear into the United States. And and then also evidence to show that no business has been conducted with individuals that have been sanctioned for non-compliance in this area. And so this has required a shift in the mind of global trade compliance professionals who would normally say, oh, that's forced labor, talk to environmental, social, and governments and governance, talk to the quality organization or go talk to the supply chain organization. Uh, With CBP's involvement now and CBP's responsibility for enforcement, you can no longer think that way. So there does require um, a shift in, you know, you've got to jump in, you've got to roll up your sleeves and you've got to understand what it's, uh, what it's all about. And what it has become about is supply chain tracing. Um, It's not, any longer just understanding the countries or regions from which your company is, in, is uh, importing or where the materials are sourced from, 
It's being able to actually document that supply chain, have certifications in place and proof, you know, have proof of audits for immediate response to CBP if they have any questions about your particular imports that are coming in from China. Um, and the requirements are, are burdensome. So um, the expectation, according to the U.S. Uh, Forced Labor Enforcement Task Force, is that importers have, you know, develop due diligence systems that engage stakeholders and partners, that they are communicating across their supply chains, that they are monitoring compliance, and they also expect that companies incorporate independent reviews. And so everything now needs to be documented to demonstrate that the company has uh, conducted all required due diligence to be able to comply with the laws. Um, it's hard. Companies have had to get smart in their approach to the work because we, you know, they need to make sure that they are complying. Okay, so what's man? These are some deep topics. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next on our list? Yeah. So I think what we can do to close with is general New Year's resolutions reminders. What a perfect time! We've just celebrated the New Year from a calendar perspective, as well as the Lunar New Year. So it's time to make some New Year's resolutions. <clears throat> I believe, we believe, <laughs> and keep them, right? And, and keep them. Um, yes. <laughs> we believe that the most important thing is training. As a compliance officer, knowing it yourself doesn't do any good. You've got to share the knowledge so people can be out there, eyes and ears for you. And the reality is, if your training hasn't been updated since January of 2022, it's out of date and you are at risk of potential violations. You should also, a great resolution is to develop a compliance calendar. When are you going to do your trainings? When are you going to do your audits? When are you going to report? When are you going to renew your licenses? And then the third thing we'd love for people to think about is going virtual. Do not, and I'm, a, I'm an old, old soul in this world of trade compliance, and I love my paper, but don't use paper versions of the regulations. They get outdated as soon as you print them, so you got to make sure that you go out there and you use the online resources so that you're looking at the latest version of it. And then look at your compliance procedures. I mean, we literally wrote trade compliance manuals for clients last year. We're rewriting them right now because the regulations have changed so drastically. So do your export compliance procedures as well as your customs procedures. Look at how you're determining country of origin to Evelyn's topic that she just went over and make sure you're looking at HTS classifications. If you are predominantly a exporter, you likely have not really delved into the general rules of interpretation when it comes to your HTS classifications. So you've got to get them right because it could impact you and the Russian sanctions. Um, and always take a risk-based approach by reviewing your highest volume and value items first. And then you can work through your entire product list, but you know, take a risk-based approach. Yeah, so I would add, I think there are a couple of points also to make where we're talking about classification. Um, let's not forget classification on the uh, ECCN front uh, for purposes of being able to export because 
you know, another topic that could we could spend 30 minutes on is this new push uh, from BIS <clears throat> as they have authority to look for new critical technologies and these Section 1758 technologies um, formally referred to as emerging or foundational. And as these ECCNs are identified by BIS, they are either creating new ECCNs and adding new ECCNs to the CCL, or they are uh, updating existing ECCNs. Uh, to give you an example of this, this, the most recent semiconductor rule introduced ECCNs 3A090. And if, and also said that even if you have a product that is uh, controlled for export only for mass market reasons, you have a, a 5A992 product, mass market product that you've been exporting, but that product meets the technical parameters of this new 3A090, well, now you have a product that you could have shipped uh, under 5A992, but you can't. And then BIS says, oh, you don't have to change the classification, just don't ship it. Well, how is a, a global trade management system <laughs> going to be able to recognize? Um, so that brings me to my next point, which is comment. Um, BIS asks for comments. The USTR asks for comments with respect to like the section one um, duties we didn't even talk about today, allowing, um, allowing companies to go in and comment on these regulations, take advantage and do so. And you can do so directly, or if you're part of an industry uh, association that is commenting, you can add your comments in anonymously uh, in that front. But it's important for the government to hear you and to understand the impact that these regulations are having on companies. I think a lot of times a company will say, someone else will comment. Well, they may, but they may not be commenting on what really matters to you. So your voice is important. So be heard. Take that opportunity. I actually want to, I want to comment on that comment to comment. <laughs> yes. uh, please do, because please do, I was like, Evelyn is like, you struck a, a chord with us. So I was like, go ahead, Beth. So we have a client that was not, when the October 7th semiconductor rule hit, they had to stop all their activity in their U.S. operation. They had to have all of their employees stand down. Um, and the policy change, 74423, um, was so significant that they actually initiated shutdown procedures to close their company. In the meantime, we filed a comment with BIS. We also filed an application for a license to keep, keep the company running. Um, I believe that our creation of the comment informed many, many people at BIS, um, which enabled the licensing officer to take our dilemma to, to the, the, the bigwigs and we actually got a license in less than 30 days from this wow. new rule being issued with a very clear policy of denial because of that comment that we made. It paved the way for the government to say, yeah. this company shouldn't be hurt by this rule because they are not the reason why we implemented this rule. So please comment. 
Hi everyone, are you loving our podcast? Do you feel like watching instead of just listening to our episodes? We have started to share our podcast videos on our trade community, www.crowd.trade, where you can view the complete show, comment, and carry conversations with your peers. We have built a trade community around our training courses and different resources for you to collaborate and gain the knowledge you are looking for. Head over to crowd.trade and register for your free account. Let's start trading. All right, so here's one question that we usually ask a lot of our people, and I'm, I'm curious for both of y'all. If you could go back in time and talk to your 21, 22, or 23-year-old self, what would you tell yourself as far as your career goes, their life, whatever? <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, like, it was sure a damn good idea to drive that truck because it's led you to where you are now. <laughs> Well, there that was go. that was it, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, what I would tell myself is um, be resilient. Right? It's it, you're not going to make it through unless you are able to um, adapt. I love it. I love it. It's, it's like you can choose to either react or respond. And uh, it, things are going to happen. So basically what you're saying is <clears throat> develop that, uh, that expertise and process and skills to when the proverbial, you know, what hits the fan, the unexpected, figure out how to respond. And that's one that I'm still working on. So it's, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, something will come up and I'll get madder than a wet hen. I'm like, oh, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, this has been an absolutely fantastic show. I can't thank you enough for, again, folks, if you can't, I mean, again, you can see why I said they're going to forget more than I'm going to get to learn. So this, these are some great ladies. Thank you so much for being with Lalo and myself. Oh, happy to be here. <laughs> thank you all very much. And, um, as uh, we'd like to remind everyone is to check on the show notes because we will have uh, links to both Beth and Evelyn's, um, at least their LinkedIn, and for sure to um, Beth's um, consulting business, oh, BPE great. Global. Global. Uh, we'll have links to that. And um, if there's anything else um, that, that they may want to share or whatever, we'll have links to that as well. But um, just want to remind everybody about that. And um and, uh, you know, we're really happy to have you here and, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Listen, folks, to our listeners again, please uh, flag this. If you like these shows uh, and all that, I, uh, flag them that you like them. Share the information uh, with your counterparts. Get them to listen. And these are things that can uh, apply to more than just somebody just in compliance or logistics or transportation. Get it throughout the company. They'll learn something. So, mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, folks. Have a good day. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. 
You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.